Hey, and welcome back to Mere Skepticism. My name is Kimmy. Today, we're gonna to do a tribute to C.S. Lewis and really just kind of cover some of the reasons why mere Christianity is even more powerful today than it was back in 1952 when it was released. Um, so here at Mere Christian, uh, here at Mere Skepticism, see, I'm already confused. We actually are a tribute to that in a way. I believe that skepticism actually is the reason that I'm sitting here today um, talking about why I believe that God is real and is who he says he is. And C.S. Lewis came to it in much the same way. He was a skeptic, he was an atheist, and he had questions. And my favorite quote of his is, I gave up and admitted God was God. And I was not raised in a religious setting. Um, I was introduced to it when I was in high school. I thought it was interesting. I liked the community of it. But honestly, I, I fought with it for decades because it was just a really painful thing because I just wasn't convinced it was true. And um, C.S. Lewis does a beautiful job of explaining that sometimes what we think isn't true is because a lot of people dress it up in wrapping paper that quite frankly isn't required. And it is my assertion that one of the reasons why mere skepticism is about is that it is simply because of some of those things that people all around us are publicly deconverting and um, deconstructing their faith. And had we had more skepticism, allowed more room for doubt, spent some more time making sure that what we were teaching and passing down was honest and defensible, I think we'd see less of that. In fact, I think that the opposite would be true. We would have a prepared church because we don't have anything to be afraid of. And it is C.S. Lewis that really points that out in this amazing work, Mere Christianity. It was written in 1952. It was the same year that polio killed over 3,000 people and paralyzed 57,000 children before the Salk vaccine was released. Mr. Potato Head was released in the English version of Anne Frank's personal diary. The concept of mere Christianity was well-timed. It was a bumpy time in history. And I would argue today, we all have a lot of the same kinds of bumps, a lot of disillusionment, a lot of fear. Um, they were coming after World War II and rebuilding. We are um, really struggling with um, a lot of different things from political unrest to financial insecurity, to a great renaissance of doubt. And I'm not gonna argue that we should lay that at the feet of skeptics because I think all skeptics have done is capitalize on the um, lack of honesty. I'm gonna go that bold with it. It's a hard thing to say that. Or just the spaces and the doors we left open to be manipulated. And I believe had we really taken an even bigger lesson from C.S. Lewis in this, we would probably have less carnage on the church today. Because what he basically says is, when we look at exactly what um, exactly what the nature of God is, the invitation of Christ is, Christianity has a solid framework that we can build our web of faith on. But often what we have done because of fear, kind of like the Pharisees, we've built these huge rows of laws all around it. Because of fear, we have um, basically locked out 
that simplicity in favor of what often were untruths about the basis of our faith. And I was not raised in a Christian religion. Um, I was raised in, a, in a, an American home, so Christianity was surrounding me culturally, but my family was not particularly religious. So when I was exposed to religion and to Christianity in particular, I thought, wow, this is a really cool thing. But I, it took me decades to really fully go under that teaching because I just had so many doubts. And what I found along the way is people were consistently trying to pull me into these webs of belief that weren't just what, this is what God says, this is what the Bible says, this is what we know from experience but they were trying to pull me into what I would say pharisaical teachings that would ask me how to honor God based on things they would agree with. In other words, just like the Pharisees built these laws around the Ten Commandments so people wouldn't even get close to disobeying God, people were doing that with Christian beliefs as well. Um, some of the examples to that would be things like purity culture or um, you know, I think the Gothard teachings, if you think about things like how people are saved, whether you're Arminian or Molinist or, um, or, or uh, Calvinist, these kinds of things became essentials of the faith. And we left some of the basics of an Orthodox Christian belief in favor of things because we were afraid that we wouldn't be able to pass it down to our kids. I did have some fear while I was raising my kids, but often it was coming from teaching that had nothing to do with God, had everything to do with teachers who said, not only do we need to honor God, but we need to do it this way. Um, mere Christianity was a logical and rational defense of the Christian faith. He argued for the existence of a moral law, the power in the existence of God and the divinity of Christ, the concept of sin, the idea of redemption through Jesus. He looked at Christian morality, faith, nature of prayer, reality of evil. It basically is it throws the word mirror in because it says this is the basis. We need to be holding the basis and stop with the divisive teaching. But we didn't listen. And we haven't listened since the very beginning. There have always been splinters and accusations. And if you don't do it this way, you're not really a Christian. And these things were dangerous and they still are dangerous today. I'm not saying we should not take our theology seriously. I'm not saying we should stick cotton over it and just hope it all works out. I think we need to think about these things seriously, but we need to be very careful when people start to frame a theology around something that benefits them. I think about the Gothard theology. If you have an idea of where women fit into culture and how that needs to work and what that needs to look at, look like, you can find scripture to support it. But does the context of all of scripture support it? And do we really need to listen to people who say, this is how we honor God, the Bible plus. <laughs> so these things need to raise up our alarm bells. It, it, it really does come down to, we need to relearn this idea of mere Christianity again. And I believe it would be protective. And we're going to talk a little bit today about why the divisive nature of theology, the divisive nature of the nature of the way people divide up the church really can birth attacks on people's very faith. In the 50s, biblical textual criticism was a quiet venture. It was studied in the back rooms of academia with a little desire to bring perspective and truth. They just wanted to, they wanted to bring perspective and truth to us. It was a, um, uh, a mixture of people who thought that the writings of scripture were sacred from those who thought it was just historical to those who thought 
they were just stories, but they were ancient stories and valuable stories. And so they wanted to kind of figure out what were they about. Today, the wildest ideas and theories on scripture or on theology or other things are just multiplied across YouTube channels, Twitter, Twitter accounts and Instagram channels. And there's very little concern about what is accurate. Really, it's more about viewing hours and what kind of revenue these crazy ideas can bring in and lives are being lost in the balance. And C.S. Lewis was calling us the whole time to we need to retain the ideas and build the web of faith that we carry on the things we know and that matter. And we lost our way. So before we get scared, and, and I do, I, I named this channel Mere Skepticism because I believe skepticism has a role in our faith. In fact, I think it can even, it can even you know, really tighten our faith and make it stronger to be able to ask honest questions and find good, solid answers. But Mere Christianity calls us back quietly to be honest about the things that we know. And one of the things that we did when we left that, we began to let, let people create emphasis on, on theology that it wasn't just that God said it, but this is what he meant. They added to it is there were lying. There was lying going on. And we passed that lying down. And I even heard some of those when I was trying to figure out about Christianity. And I bought into a couple of them along the way. And let me give you some examples. People ignored the troubling passages, the misogyny, the rape, they ignored slavery. They ignored other things that should never have been ignored. Had we looked at those and looked at them in context and actually understood what the purpose of um, the Old Testament was and where it falls in line with the covenant that we fall under today, it would not have been a scary thing. But what we did was we ignored it. In the case of slavery, we we made excuses for it. We said it was indentured servitude when there's clearly chattel slavery in the Old Testament. We did things that, that really seemed dishonest. And we wonder why people got confused, why people left the faith and were broken by it. And instead of keeping it simple and really looking at things, and I did do an apologetic on slavery. You're welcome to look back on that. It was another podcast. Um, that I think really answers some of the harder questions. We should have been taught those things. You know, think about um, Joshua Harris, the purity culture, Abraham Piper, the son of John Piper, Marty Sampson. These people were deeply steeped in the faith. But when you listen to them, they were steeped in a version of the faith. I'm not going to sit here and say that I know exactly what they were taught, but I can I can listen to what they say was the illuminating factor that made them leave the faith. And very rarely were those things that were necessary to their faith. They were usually part of a very different kind of movement that required, if you love God, then you will read the scripture this way. It was not mere Christianity left. I've yet to hear a deconversion de story when someone says, I just wasn't convinced Jesus is who he says he was, that he made those claims and that he invited humanity to live with them or reject him. I have not heard that as a deconstruction story. Maybe it's out there. Feel free to send it to me. Haven't heard it. I have heard a lot about what purity culture did, about what lies about the Old Testament did. I've heard a lot about church, um, I guess I'm trying to think, I mean, basically 
lying in the church, church abuse, um, these kinds of things. And so when it comes right down to it, there is this idea that um, we, we have allowed people who are skeptical to come in and use against us the things that we should have just been honest about in the beginning. We should never have hid abusers as the little C church. We should never have not been honest about some of the troubling passages of the Old Testament. We should never have pretended that purity culture should go from being a beautiful testament to intimacy within marriage to being a peddling for shame for people who have fallen short of that standard. And we did all those things and we did them without apology. And it's all, all of that damage is the stuff that we hear in deconversion stories. We need to wake up and face the facts that we as Christians could have done better and must do better for the little ones who will follow us. We set up a straw man faith that was never required of us. We talked about inerrancy in incorrect ways. We built webs of belief on the fact that the Bibles we hold in our hand are absolutely the same things that were written on paper by specific people in history when we didn't know that to be true. We know the messages are inspired by God. As Christians, we believe that the message we have is the one that we need to make the decision to follow and honor God. But we don't have to believe the Bible in our hand is the exact same as the one that was inerrant, which would have been the original autograph. We got it confused. We didn't tell the truth. And people's faith fell in the dishonesty of it. And to this day, if you talk to people, they'll say, oh, your Bible is unreliable. And I simply say, okay, what are you talking about? Well, well, we know that these books were added to or whatever. And I say, okay, this is a clear example of the inerrancy doctrine not being understood. It's just a very clear example of that. And if you tell them that, they may or may not believe you. If we had raised a generation who understood that honestly, who went through the troubling uh, passages on rape and misogyny, other things and slavery in the Bible. If we had done those things, how many people today would still be people of faith? We'll never know, but we certainly can do better now. We can certainly focus on the things that really matter now. We have people who literally have walked away from the faith because of the view of salvation that they believed was required. People, for instance, people who believed in a strict and strong Calvinism that God literally created some people knowing that they were going to go to hell, who never knew that they had choices like Arminianism or uh, Molinism, that there's a whole spectrum of different ways that God could have logically done this. And we absolutely lose souls because we stand on them like they are the same as the claim of Jesus being the Son of God. We put all of it equal, and if you let one of those little pieces of the web of faith go, everything else went with it. And the sad part is, is that we are human. We are looking at a God that spoke the universe into into being, and we're telling him how he saves us. And we expect that people will base their entire view of God on a stab in the dark. 
that's dangerous. It's scary and we need to stop doing it if we want to really represent Jesus to the world. Take it seriously. Take your theology seriously. Read the greats. Understand what the arguments are. But the thing we forget and the thing I think that C.S. Lewis did so beautifully was he held humbly our position to God's. And that is something that we don't seem to see enough of. We hear a lot of people saying, this is what God said, this is how we do it. It's heresy not to do it that way. It's not clear in scripture. It's a, it's a want from someone who's leading that theology, that group. And we all just want to belong. So we go along with it. And then we raise children who critically look through it and say, this makes no sense. And we are broken when they walk away from the faith. But what we did was we handed skeptics the power when we were not honest about the things that we do not know. If we had focused on what we do know, what would the church look like today? What would people like a Joshua Harris who admits that it is his, it was his small view of, of how things had to go that shook him to the core. There's a, another doctor, um, Joshua Bowen, that seems like a really nice man who speaks. And I, I was brokenhearted by his deconversion story. He was really sad to leave the faith. But what happens when we focus on God in a small way, when that web starts to get just plucked at, it all comes undone. If it were based on the basics of the faith, which is the beauty of mere Christianity, you would have to dance hard and heavy to make that web fall apart. So when we, we dress up areas of faith and stab in the dark and dress them like it's a God-given truth, the truth will be lost. And we confuse what we need to know and believe for what people tell us we need to know or believe. And then, People mock us for having nearly 50,000 denominations. But if God can speak all that is into existence, wouldn't we expect we might have different views and that we should hold them softly? Mere Christianity was needed in a bumpy time of human history, and it is still needed today. We've lost enough people along the path, enough carnage, by taking stands on things we were never required to take. I wasn't raised religious. I can see this, I have a louder alarm because I can see it when they start to say things like, well, if you really wanna honor God, you'll look at it this way. It is an abomination not to do X, Y, and Z. And they take things and they knit, they knit together arguments from all over scripture. They don't let the scripture sit wholly open be held humbly. The message of Jesus is simple. His claims are simple. We need to hold them in the middle of our web of belief in a mere Christianity style. Never hiding from the harsh realities of the Christian faith, which bring us to the harsh realities of the Old Testament, which is how we were born, that they had their own separate faith. They still do today. We need to be more respectful of that, acting like it's a, an annex to Christianity. That stands separately. But from that, our faith was born 
We need to hold it humbly. We need to look at ancient human history with an eye, understanding that our 21st century morality doesn't get what it was like, but we can still say it was where we all came from and it is the process through which God brought us. And what I believe is the story of the gift of free will of his son Jesus, the idea, concept, and invitation to salvation. These are the things we must hold tight to and we can release so many other things as being our stabs in the dark that we take seriously and honorably, we are willing to look into, but it's not what our faith is based on. Let's stop the hemorrhaging and start the rejoicing in the mere Christianity gifts that we have been given. I hope this is helpful. Let me know if there's aspects of this you want to dig in deeper. I'm on Twitter. We're over on YouTube. We're in a couple different places. Would love to have you just help guide some of these um, podcasts so that it can be more helpful to you individually, which I believe is more helpful to the community. I look forward to learning more and more with you. This has been a lot of fun so far, and I think that God will be honored by people who are willing to share in the transformation from a culture that, quite frankly, painted him to be something I don't believe he ever was. And we need to be able to remain open and teachable to the idea that maybe God's claims on us were a little simpler than we've tried to make them. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day and hope to see you. And sorry, it took a week in between here. I decided to take a quick little break because things were piling up. Take good care. Bye-bye.